We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Happy Wednesday and welcome to the Roto-Grinders DFS Pick 6. Uh, I'm Eric Crane. I'm joined as I am every single time. But look at these two guys with their good-looking beards, their good-looking bald heads. I mean, that is just a couple of beautiful you-know-whats there. We got John Daigle. What's up, Daigle? How are we doing today? We are doing great outside of the long conversation we had before we came on the show about it now being officially winter on the East Coast. And uh, we're struggling, buddy. We're struggling. Yeah. I mean, Reeves, you and I are over here in the Midwest. Like we're, we are freezing our, you know, what's off too. I, I don't know why Daggle thinks he has like a monopoly on like cold weather over there on the East coast, but you're in Ohio. I'm in Southern Illinois. Like it's cold as hell here too, man. Yeah. Well, you've gotten snow the last few days. I know people were worried for the Browns game tomorrow a little bit, but it looks like it's going to be kind of just cold and, and clear, but uh, you know, Hey man, we're, we're going to deal with it. You know, I'm a summer baby, but, uh, you know, I've been here for six months of gray every year for, you know, the last you know 30 years. So whatever. We'll if you're worried, of, if you're worried about the Browns, you should be worried more about in more than the snow. I'll say that much. <laughs> At least if you're concerned. Maybe that's what's happened to Baker Mayfield. He goes from sunny Oklahoma and you know, he's just up there in Cleveland and he just looks sad all the time. He had to buy that coat, not because he wanted to look like a homeless guy, but because he actually just did not know what kind of coat to buy because he didn't understand living down there in Norman. Maybe that's what happened because, yeah, dude, Baker's I just mean, Out of all the things Baker's done this year, still the most egregious thing are these progressive commercials. Like, we've got to put a kibosh on these already. Like, these things got to go. Wait, 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 I don't know these progressive commercials. Yeah, where he's just, uh, you know, cleaning up the stadium and getting oh, his I've wife seen, Never mind, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's auditioning for his next job. Yeah. We got to kill those, man. We got to get those. Get those off the air. <laughs> uh, poor Baker. All right. Before we jump into this slide, I want to let you guys know, Roto Grinders, this is really neat. We are holding another free roll on Yahoo this week. Yahoo Lineup HQ. It's free on Saturday and Sunday this week. There's an MME free roll. 2500 bucks in that tournament. 150 entries. Throw them in there. Yahoo, they recently introduced allowing to put you know 150 lineups in there. If you want to check out the Roto Grinders Lineup HQ, 
this is the weekend to do it. You know, if you might not be a premium member, you're on the fence about whether to sign up, check it out because you're going to see that it is worth it. Also, I want to give a shout out to a few new guys rocking the Roto Grinders badge. And uh, I want to thank Drake. We have Drake, guys. Drake is straight up rocking the Roto Grinders badge. Thanks, Drake. And uh, Stevie L24. I'm not going to lie, Stevie. I, or Steve, I love you, man. But when you have to like go behind Drake, like you're just screwed at that point. Nobody's going to get excited about your name. But, Steve, welcome, Drake. Go Raptors. So, uh, yeah, Reeves, what do we think about this slate as a whole? Yeah, it looks like it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, you know, it's weird. We're coming off of last week, and, you know, the it's just crazy. You know, we've had a lot of conversations this year about just how far DFS has come and, you know, the, the public playing side. And, man, seeing Christian Kirk's ownership last week was something crazy. I mean, I know we had the Will Fuller week where it was kind of like awakening. It was like, kind of like, yeah, everyone was sharp, but, like, Christian Kirk was like a, a, a longer play. The matchup was there and the price was there and we were all on that, but like he still took a step of faith for that type of uh, ownership. Uh, you know, it was, it was pretty wild to see him, you know, that highly owned in tournaments, way over 30%, you know, 70, 80%, you know, certain cash formats. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was an interesting week last week, but it ended up being high scoring. I had some nice Daniel Jones, uh, Darius Slayton lineups that got nuked by David Montgomery. That was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a fun week and we're moving on this week where I like what DraftKings is doing. Cause they're really just like kind of up to down pricing. Like they're yeah. saying like, listen, if you want to play Chris McCaffrey here, you have to pay for him. Oh, you want Michael Thomas against the bucks? Guess what? You yeah. gotta pay for him too. Uh, I, I like that. It makes it, you know, um, it makes it a lot more fun. It makes it a lot harder. We seen last week there wasn't an, an, you know an internal debate all week about do we pay for Christian McCaffrey or not. Back and forth in the industry, and a lot of and, and you kind of both sides of the argument won. You know, Christian McCaffrey still hit. He didn't hit three X, but he still was. Uh, Christian McCaffrey lineups were good, and then people said a lot of good lineups without Christian McCaffrey as well. Uh, so we're in that same boat again with him at ten five. You got Michael Thomas at nine nine on DK. So I like what they're doing at least you know pricing wise. Anytime you see Tony Pollard at 5K on DraftKings, you know that DraftKings literally just said, okay, three snaps. You want to pay for Christian McCaffrey? We are truly going to make you pay for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, it's going to be tough. To, I mean, if you're looking for value this week outside of Brian Hill, it ain't going to come at the running back position. We'll take a look at it. And even that, like, he's not that cheap, 4'8". Like, I mean, Reeves, when the la- when's the last time that a guy like Brian Hill was 4'8"? I mean, I know he's going to be starting, but I don't know. It's interesting. I like what they're doing. I like I, I like making We'll talk about him. He's he's on the docket that you put out for us. It's well, it's super interesting because unlike past years and as recently as last year, you can't look and pull up the site and assume you're getting a three k, three point five k guy anymore. Like they are pricing backups according to if injuries were to happen. It's not they're not waiting for injuries to happen anymore. So you're just not getting backups under four k any longer for the rest of the year. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's definitely different. I like that. But uh, yeah, and of course, we're going to talk about Brian Hill. We're going to talk about a lot of these uh, other guys looking for some value. And uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. It's Saints at the Bucks. It's a 50-point total. The Saints, five-point favorites on the road. And Dago, I got to ask you, what the hell happened last week with the Saints? The Saints in general, and trust me, I know, as someone who had quite a bit of Jameis Winston in that particular matchup, it should have been better, but instead what happened is that we did get O.J. Howard. We did somehow get Ronald Jones in the passing game, and I'm sure we'll talk about more Ronald Jones in just a second. But those targets that usually go to 
uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin kind of filtered else, elsewhere unexpectedly. And that's, and that's really just what happened against a set of corners that should have seen Evans and Godwin prosper. However, we know in the last month what those two can do all year long, what those two can do really. Uh, Godwin the past four weeks, still just over 10 targets. Evans in that time, 12 targets. And before his eight target, what we consider a letdown or dud, um, coming into that game with 15 targets. So it's not something you're scared about, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. I think it comes more or less down to deciphering which one we want to use because they still don't break out at the same time. And so game script sort of has dictated what one or the other has done. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about here. Yeah, you know, you look at this Tampa Bay side, and last week was really the first time that neither Godwin nor Evans, you know, failed to get there from a fantasy standpoint. It was, uh, like you said, Ronald Jones. and Dangle, it was you that tweeted out Ronald Jones' high school pass usage, right? Yeah. Uh, impressive. I, I, don't have it, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was eight catches total in high school, uh, 14 catches his senior year at USC, uh, eight catches his freshman season, eight catches weeks one through nine, and then one random Sunday, eight catches. I'm not going back to the weather. I'm not doing it. I'm over. And you know what? You know who else I'm not going back to, Reeves? Just because he had a good week does not mean that O.J. Howard and I are cool. I'm still not going back to O.J. Howard. He's still – I played him a little last week, and you know what? I'm just going to take whatever money I got back. I got a little rebate on every single dollar that I've lit on fire with O.J. Howard this year. I'm not going back to him. Are you going back to OJ this week? I think it's fair. You were the one that wanted to play him more than all of us last week. And, you know, I dabbled and put some in. Uh, You know, we kind of talked about, though, his usage has started to turn, though. I mean, over his past three games, he's run a pass around on 57% of his snaps. It was just 42% prior. Last week, he played 99% of the offensive snaps, 98.8. Uh, he ran a pass route on 41 of 52 dropbacks for Jameis Winston. Cameron Brait was not on the field. He played 15 snaps. Uh, now, this matchup isn't as high. Like, it's not the flow chart. Flow chart isn't applicable here. Uh, the Saints are 28th in yards per target to opposing tight ends. Um, and they face the six fewest targets per game to the position. So, I mean, it's 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 not a lot to really latch onto here for a matchup-wise. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's not a guy we have to go back onto. We, cheat, we cheated the system. We got our touchdown. We take it, we run to the hills. Yeah, we move on. And, you know, you talk about Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. You know, we're still waiting on news with Marshawn Lattimore. I don't think we're going to know whether he's going to play at least for a couple days. He's not going to play. I don't think he's going to play, honestly. I don't think he's going to play either, but I was just trying to build the suspense. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. No suspense here. That's fine. But with Marshawn Lattimore out, all of a sudden, Daigle, this secondary gets a lot worse. And this is going to be another week where I'm going to be loading up with Godwin and or Evans on a lot of my teams. I I totally agree, and I like Godwin's matchup a lot in the slot against P.J. Williams, who's been just a bust all year. Um, You know, uh, P.J. Williams allowed 220 yards and a score in the the slot, and the slots where we target the Saints as a whole. But what can you say? Like, it's not like Evans is a bad play either. It just has become with the Bucs really multi-entry teams where you have to get both in. And as Reeves talked about Howard's usage, that's what really threw a wrench in the whole situation. Just the fact he's running a route now, one week at least, on 85% of Jameis Winston's dropbacks, that's another target. Whereas it was much more concentrated and focused before that one random game. So if, if even Ronald Jones is like, Ronald Jones hit a season high in routes run, the target share was probably a fluke. Yeah, regression's going to hit. But just the fact he did 18 routes run in, week nine and then 24 for season high in week 10 
Uh, I would imagine, especially after Bruce Arians came out today and said, oh, no, like we, we still want him involved in the passing game, even if that fourth quarter fumble that happened and then put Peyton Barber on the field for the entire final drive of the game, even if that kicks back Ronald Jones carries uh, on DraftKings still, even though his salary's gone up, you know, it's, it, he still gets the, he's still going to get the targets, I would assume. So it's not all too terrible of a play. You know, and I mean, do you have a preference here, Reeves, between Godwin and Evans? Because I, I really don't, but I kind of like Evans, but I always like Evans over Godwin. You know, again, it's sort of, you know, flip a coin. Do you have a preference? I mean, I lean just like a little bit towards Godwin just because of the the matchup sense. But I mean, it's really like a 1A, 1B. In my ranks, I have them, I have them three and four, you know, my my personal rankings. So I, I, have, four, I have them four and four. <laughs> I have him four and five in my ranks, and that's only because uh, I still have DeAndre Hopkins over them. But with Will Fuller back, and we'll talk about that in a second, um, I would move them up, but they're going to always stay glued together wherever they go. Yeah, I mean, the, like I said, the target the targets are concentrated. It's going to be a back-and-forth game. They're going to have to throw. Uh, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. We know where the, the ball goes with the Bucs, uh, you know, even with, you know, O.J. Howard getting sprinkled in and then finally throwing to using Ronald Jones in the passing game. I mean, you know, Ronald Jones is, was still quite a mixed bag last week. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, he got the targets, but, I mean, he still he still lost the fumble, was taken off the field for a goal, the game-winning goal line carry for Peyton Barber. He still has been just a non-factor in the, in the running game. He still – and he still objectively looks bad. Like, he, he's not a good runner. Like, when the ball is in his hands, he's not good. Uh, so, I mean, there's a lot still – there's a lot of pros and cons that happened last week. But, hey, you got there. The points got there. He hit it that 43, got a little price bump this week. Uh, Arian said they're going back to him, so I mean you can you can still dabble there. I He's mean, still better than David Johnson, though, right? Yeah, I mean That's uh, everyone, I during, everyone, uh, David Johnson. I tweeted like during the game last week that David Johnson was running like 2018 Rob Gronkowski, uh, and it's <laughs> man, he was rough. He was rough in that game. But the, not to take this about David Johnson, but Marshawn Latimer, you know, he he didn't miss any games last year. His rookie season when he was electric, um, did he win Defensive Player of the Year? His rookie year, I can't remember. Um, but he missed three games as a rookie, and the Saints got roasted in all three of those games. They gave up over 350 passing yards to rookie Jared Goff in a game Marshawn Lattimore missed. Uh, you know, Kenny Britt kind of dotted them up. Uh, so, I mean, losing him is a big deal. And he had been playing well outside of the first month of the season. And, I mean, dude, Evans caught zero passes the last time these teams played. That's not happening again. So, I mean, you look at Jameis, he had almost 18 fantasy points in a game where Evans caught zero passes. Uh, now, so we have to feel a little bit better about him. He's gone over 300 passing yards now in six of his past seven games. He's hit that 17 point mark in you know six of the past seven. Um, so I mean, he's looking a lot in a lot more positive. You, know, you remove Lattimore from the situation. Uh, so I mean, yeah, I mean we know where the Bucks are going with the ball, and I think we expect this to be shut because all Tampa Bay games have been shut at this point. I mean, all their games, their games combined for 59.9 combined points per game. It's the most in the league. Almost all their games go over. It feels like so. I mean, we we want a circleless game. We want to get in. Hopefully, some people have some terrible feelings in their mouth about playing Saints players last week because uh, I want to play some Saints players. Yeah, and you know, I think if you're looking at the Saints, obviously it's Michael Thomas. But the nine nine price tag, you guys brought it at the beginning at the beginning of the show, where it's tough to click that button at that price tag, especially for a receiver. You know, a position that is high variance, even though Michael Thomas isn't really high variance. But we know the Tampa Bay Bucks. Probably the worst secondary in the league. They just cut Vernon Hargraves, who's been terrible. Um, Dago, like, I like Michael Thomas. I even like little Ted Ginn. Like, Alvin Kamara is a guy that just screwed everybody that played him last week. But 
this spot. Maybe it's not a bounce back spot, spot because the Bucks defense is really good. Where are you going on the Saints? It's very much just like Christian McCaffrey's price point and situation last week, where I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Uh, it's going to come down to roster construction Saturday night, Sunday morning, whenever you build your lineups. And Michael Thomas, I would argue he's the safest play, even among running backs getting 20 touches. I think Michael Thomas is still the safest play on the slate. Uh, not only does Marshawn Lattimore's absence help the Saints' defense as a whole, but you talked about their bad corners. I mean, they literally just got worse. They were already allowing a league high in fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers. I think it's 25 points per game. Uh, And then, obviously, they cut Hargreaves midweek. But then MJ Stewart, second corner, he's out three to four weeks now. Carlton Davis didn't practice today with a hip injury. He's out. So that leaves two rookies and a guy who has played two snaps all year as their starting corners right now. Um, so if we expect the Bucks to score, I would imagine we also expect the Saints to keep their foot on the gas. And so Michael Thomas, FanDuel, his price only went up 300 from last week. If you played him last week, you're probably playing him this week. Yeah. DraftKings is the big situation. I think it just comes down to roster construction in the end. But he's a – I mean, it's pretty easy to say he's an amazing, amazing play. Yeah, and you know, Reeves, when I look at this spot, everybody knows Michael Thomas is really great. I've heard a few people talk about Jared Cook. Um I don't hate Ted Ginn this week. Who are you going with on the Saints? Uh, so I think so. In ca- and if we're talking so to you know cash to tournaments, so in cash, I think Cook is in play. Uh, he's been a top eight scorer now in each of his past three games played. Two of those were at Teddy Bridgewater in his first full game played at Breeze since week one. He got ten targets last week. Um, Tampa Bay has been just a step below Arizona on the flow chart. They're 29th in receptions, 31st in yards per game to tight ends. They're 30th in touchdowns allowed. Uh, They even gave up a tight end five week to Cook himself, uh, you know, when Teddy Bridgewater played and these teams met uh, in week five. So I think he's in play, especially at 4,400. I think on DK, it's a little more palatable. Um, I think that if you're looking at tournament plays, I think the guy is Traquan Smith. He came back last week. He played 83% of the snaps. Uh, Ted Ginn played 69% of the snaps. Uh, Ginn still had three targets to two, but I mean, you know, he was, Traquan was the guy on the field and he ran more routes than him. You guys said this, it's almost all hands on deck when you're, when you're facing the Bucks, like, um, every, cause, cause they're a pass funnel, you know, they, they stop the run well and they just, they just bleed, you know, just bleed and hemorrhage passing yards to teams. They can't stop anyone in the air. So they, so not only do they invite teams to pass on them, they invite teams to uh, beat them efficiently. So, I mean, I think the Saints are going to acquiesce to that and throw the ball a lot in this game. Uh, so, I mean, I think we'll see. Uh, I like Traquan as, like, the dart play, uh, you know, because you can't wide receiver to a full-time usage. The problem is, is that Michael Thomas is so good, he's taking away so many targets. He has he has 67% of the wide receiver targets on this team. <laughs> uh, that's the highest of a wide receiver has for a share of his wide receiver targets in the league. Allen Robinson is next at 49%. It's almost a 20% gap to the next highest guy that commands his wide receiver targets. It's just unreal. He's so good that they just keep throwing to him. So that kind of hurts the other guys from taking these stabs on these guys because you don't – it's hard to run into like an eight-target, you know, Traquan Smith game now because Michael Thomas is just destroying. Yeah, uh, no, you're going you know, to hit the big bags. plays. You're hoping to hit big plays with those guys. You're right, like, right. Yeah. And at 3,800, I mean, you're just hoping you hit like a bomb and you you, you crush. I mean, I like going back to Breeze. I mean, he, he totally ruined a spot for us last week. I've already seen people kind of cite his stats, you know, in Tampa. He's had some really rough games in Tampa Bay against some bad defense. You know, look at last year, 13.9 points. 
2017, 14 points. Zero 4.5. I mean, I don't know if this guy is crushing Mons Venus too hard uh, in Tampa on Saturday night before that, but uh, I mean, it's hard to just move away from him in this spot. We've talked about the Bucks defense just being a target every single week. You look, just run down this quick slate. Kyler Murray last week, 27. The week before, Russ, 39. Ryan Tannehill, 19.4. Kyle Allen, 17.4. Teddy Bridgewater, 27.3. Jared Goff, 21. Daniel Jones, 34. That's over their past seven games. I mean, that's just inviting, you know, fantasy points, uh, you know. So, I mean, I'm all in. On the Saints side, I want the ancillary pieces. I want the ancillary jabronis, as we call them on this show. Ancillary. I want to get those. In. I want to get love those that guys. Band name. The greatest. I want to get them in. in history. Ancillary jabronis. I love it. Didn't we have a? Didn't we have a shirt like a rock and roll shirt made at some point? I think. I think Rotoware made one. Rotoware hooked us up with one. Yes, last year. Rotoware. I love you guys. So uh, ancillary jabronis. I might have to get that shirt to wear it down the match. We got. We got to create a new band name now. Somewhere along the oh, way. Yeah. Well, and it's okay, Dangle. You're all right. You're, you know, you were the third choice. I know. I feel left out now. <laughs> all, all we do is talk about bad quarterbacks. Y'all used to talk about ancillary jabronis. <laughs> all right. Let's talk Houston at Baltimore. 49 point total. Baltimore, four and a half point favorites at home. And Dangle, we saw the Lamar Jackson last week that we have wanted to see for two years now. I mean, he had the big time 40 yard touchdown run. He looked like an absolute stud. Cincinnati, of course, had no answer for him. And, do you think this Houston Texans defense is going to have an answer for him this week? I would not imagine so. J.J. Uh, Watt accounted for so much of their past rushing production, whatever they were getting even at the time. And now you look, and yes, they added. Not, so we just made fun of Vernon Hargraves. And then, of course, today we recorded this on a Wednesday night. They are the team that claimed Vernon Hargraves. So if they have to put him out there with Garyon Conley, who they claimed off waivers, who was arguably Oakland's, Oakland's worst corner, and uh, Bradley Roby, Old 34-year-old Jonathan Joseph, who continues battling soft tissue injuries throughout the year. This is not a secondary, nor is it a defense, that has any athletic presence to block whatever Lamar Jackson brings to the table. Um, Deshaun, uh, Deshaun Watson, however, we're going to talk about this more in a bit, but Deshaun Watson also averages over nine yards per attempt when he's trailing. So if we expect the Ravens' offense to blow up, and we do, we also expect the Texans' offense to blow up. And... We know where this Ravens offense goes. A little wacky the past two weeks because we had two blowout – or the past two games because we had two blowout game scripts over the Patriots and then over the Bengals who just – that's the, the best offensive approach I've seen all year to give up and give Joe Mixon 32 touches because they had no other response. They had no answer whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, we didn't know it's going to go, though, to Marquise Brown, who I wouldn't expect him to play 40% of the snaps in a competitive game. You can get away with that when you're leading three scores. If this game's one score the whole way, Marquise Brown's going to play more. And then, of course, Mark Andrews, who ha- we were worried after the Patriots game, played just around 30% of their snaps. But last week, back up to his normal – people look at his snaps and oh, around 50% on this season. Last week, 51%. And, the, yes, he's still playing with Nick Boyle and – um uh, Hayden Hurst along the whole way, but last week he still ran a route on 94% of Lamar Jackson's dropbacks. He's still on the field as a pass catching tight end every time he's on the field. So that's still usage I'm chasing if you're playing Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and you know, Lamar Jackson's just one of these guys where if you're paying up, he's always a fine option. The question is, can you pay 7 7 for a quarterback on this slate? And Reed, that's what I kind of keep looking at because I want to play Lamar Jackson, I want to have him on my fantasy team. 
But on this slate where we're looking at a 9-9 Michael Thomas, where we're looking at a 10-5 Christian McCaffrey, where it seems like a lot of other people are priced up, can we really play Lamar Jackson, Reeves? I mean, you can. It's hard to do it. <laughs> I mean, he is. I mean, listen, man, Lamar Jackson is completely my brand. He's, he's like this. Him him doing this is just, just brings a flutter to my heart every week. You know, he last- has a Rich Rebar shirt. I mean, I don't even, like, tweet Konami Kodomar. I just tweet the code now. Like, last week when he had that run, like, it was just, like, that was, like, the quintessential play. Like, that was it, man. Uh, that was that was the ultimate cheat code type of play. You see him just off the spin, putting shades on the sideline. It was just, like, what are you going to do about it, man? Deal with it. Um, but, yeah, it's a little tough, you know, especially since the quarterback position. It's the one position where we can make up points even when it's a 30-point score. You know, we're still able to get – you know, hedge, hedge those types of guys who need to pay up. So, I mean, I really never play the top guy. It's going to be hard this week to do it at the quarterback position. You know, it's Houston's been really good against the run, but I think you just have to throw out, like, those types of stats against this Ravens offense yeah. because it's so unique. I mean, their rushing stats come from their quarterback on designed runs, not only running. They run so much, you know, RPO. They do so many unique formations. I mean, with Greg Roman, he's done this for his entire career. I mean, Callan Kaepernick, Tyrod Taylor, he's just – bred success out of these offenses efficient in, on the ground in terms of efficiency. So, I mean, even though Houston's been really good against the run, um, I don't, I'm not really worried about what they do here. I mean, it's, I mean, Mark Ingham's just not a guy I typically play anyways because we talked about it with Marlon Mack last week. And, you know, sometimes you miss out on a Derrick Henry game from last week, but, I mean, you also avoid Marlon Mack games. Like, my, at least my guys just don't catch passes and they're reliant on scoring touchdowns. They're typically not guys that make my lineup. So, I mean, Mark Ingram is 32% of his fantasy points have come from inside the five-yard line this season. That's the most of all top 200 scores in fantasy football. I mean, if he doesn't score a touchdown, like, you are really left holding the bag. So it's hard to play him. I like Marquise Brown a lot, like John alluded to. I mean, you get kind of frustrated with his usage a little bit, not even in blowouts because, I mean, he's only had more than four catches in one game this season. I mean, but Houston is just the team we have targeted, not only with wide receiver play, but speed wide receiver play. Tyree Kill, five for 80 and two touchdowns. T.Y. Hilton, six for 74 and a touchdown. Tyrell Williams, 91 yards and a touchdown. Ted Ginn had over 100 yards against them over 17 PPR points per game from all those guys. There's just no one on the field that Houston has that can run with Marquise Brown. So, I mean, he's the guy I'd be looking to the most. I mean, if Mark Andrews, I mean, this is why I never cared about tight end snap shares ever. Uh, all that matters in routes and target per routes. And Mark Andrews leads all NFL tight ends in target rate per route run at 32%. It's the only stat that matters for Mark Andrews in terms of usage. When he's on the field, he's running routes. and he's running routes, they're throwing it to him. That's all that matters. Who cares about how many snaps he's playing? Yeah. Uh, we don't get points for snaps or blocks. You know, we don't care about that. We want pass catches and yards. Now, the problem with Mark Andrews from that light, though, is he's only gone over 45 yards twice in his past six games. They both came against the Bengals. You know, so, you know, he's, he's not really done a lot outside of those two really cherry matchups. So uh, you have to pay up for him continuously. That's what makes him hard as well. Uh, but I'm looking at Marquise Brown, salivating at Marquise Brown. I want to get him in this week. Yeah, and if you're playing him on the Ravens side and you can't afford Lamar Jackson, how about a little Deshaun Watson on the Texans side? Because, Dago, you mentioned earlier they should be throwing a ton. I don't think Deshaun Watson is going to garner a lot of ownership this week. And you can pair him up with Hopkins. You can even pair him up with Will Fuller, who's in another good matchup. And I like this Texans passing offense almost as much as I do guys from the uh, Saints-Bucks game. 
Yeah, the Ravens have admittedly improved their defense the past few games. Before they went to their bye, they added Marcus Peters, who had that pick six. Then they went to their bye and came back out and got Jimmy Smith back healthy. So now you have Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith on the outside, Marlon Humphrey and Earl Thomas guarding the middle of the field. But either way, it's still Deshaun Watson, right? Like, no matchup matters. Uh, that's kind of why I like the ancillary pieces, not the ancillary jabronis, but the ancillary pieces in this game because you have uh, Darren Fells, who's a two-touchdown kind of guy who could take you over the top at a cheaper price in this kind of matchup if you think their corners can contain Hopkins and Fuller. And Fuller is interesting because I would think his ownership finally goes below 30% since it is his first game back, especially from a uh, hamstring injury that could re-aggravate. So yeah, whatever the case, I like I like uh, Deshaun Watson as well. He's going to catch lower ownership, I would imagine, than Lamar Jackson. Maybe you can pull it up actually on your end. And tell me what you have projected at Rotor Grounders. Yeah, it's about Deshaun Watson's got about half the ownership of Lamar Jackson right okay. now. Okay, yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I said, whether you want to stack the ancillary pieces or DeAndre Hopkins or Will Fuller, I think all are fine. Uh, I'm I'm slightly concerned, however, with Will Fuller because as we know, before Will Fuller got injured, I'm sorry, with uh, DeAndre Hopkins because Will, before Will Fuller got injured, Hopkins was wide receiver 15 on DraftKings and FanDuel, averaging a 28% target share, dot still under 10 yards. Will Fuller disappears, and he doesn't take up all those air yards. He still has an dot around 8.9 in the last three games. However, he's taken all of Will Fuller's targets, uh, 36% target share and wide receiver four in the last three games. And now with Fuller back, if he's a full-time player, I mean, it's it's worrisome to pay up for Hopkins at that price. I, I don't hate I don't hate that. I think it makes perfect sense. Reeves, what do you think about this uh, this Houston attack? Yeah, I think it's interesting because you guys have alluded to when we like to play Deshaun Watson and when he's an underdog. Uh, you know, in games, his 14 career games as an underdog, he's averaging 2.2 touchdowns, 273 passing yards, 8.3 yards per attempt, as opposed to 1.8 touchdowns, 249 yards, and 8.1 yards per attempt as a favorite. The other thing about Deshaun Watson is that he, for his career, he is like really awesome against the Blitz. And the Ravens blitz at the highest rate in the NFL, 49.4%. Against the blitz for his career, his completion percentage is 70.3%. He averages 8.7 yards per attempt against the blitz, 106.1 quarterback rating. They're all above his his rate stats when he's not blitzed. The other thing, too, and if a blitz team's going to blitz a lot, what else does that do? And play man-to-man you open up lanes to run and to escape the pocket. So, I mean, you've got rushing upside from Deshaun Watson here as well, you know, kind of back and forth. It's a it's a real tough year uh, for old uh, white men watching football because the quarterback played. Like you look at all these guys, they're all runners, mobile passers. It's been a tough year for those guys. Your grandpa is having a tough time watching. They're football definitely not watching this game. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I love everything about this game. Now, the thing about the Ravens though is, is like I kind of really am starting to believe in these changes that they've made and getting healthy on defense that it's an actual problem, and they might start to be a defense we might start to look at kind of avoid. I mean, they absolutely nuked Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson completed less than half of his passes. He was awful against the Ravens. You know, now that they're healthy and they've got these three corners and they move Brandon Carr to safety with Earl Thomas, like their secondary is bona fide right now. Um, you know, Tom Brady was the QB 20 when they played him. I mean, he, he can't move around. Like, But like I said, what they did to Russ at home in Seattle uh, you know, it's kind of an eye opener. I mean, and uh, we've had a couple down moments from Watson, and they've come against you know kind of stickier matchups. You know, the Jags game, the Colts game, 
Uh, so I mean, there could there's some downside there. I mean, he's a tournament only play for me, but I think he's a is a fun tournament play because you can cross stack him in a unique way. Like you said, Jason getting leverage of just against people. If this game pops and it goes back and forth, you're getting half the ownership of Lamar Jackson for a guy that can one use his legs, two has two really good wide receivers, and then you know some good ancillary pieces like John alluded to, and you know Duke Johnson, Darren Fells, Kenny Stills, uh, and some guys that can really carry some weight if they go off. You know De- DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. I would love more reason to play Duke Johnson. Like, that's the guy I would want to play more. But, I mean, his last game, yes, he spiked that receiving touchdown, but uh, it was the fewest routes he's run this this entire month. So, uh, still concerning. Dude, why do teams hate Duke Johnson? I, I There has – I'm going to – Isabella, say, right? There has to be something behind the scenes we don't are know. Are we sure he's good? He's, I believe he's definitely good. There's I believe he's amazing. He's I mean, been – Every time he touches the ball, he's good. And he gets cut by every team he's on, or he's traded by every team he's on. Nobody likes him. No, I, I would say he's not used as a bell cow any team. Instead, they're giving Carlos Hyde 20 carries a game, which which actually, in his, to his benefit, like Carlos Hyde hasn't looked the worst. Like Carlos Hyde has looked pretty good. But Duke Johnson is still more explosive than Carlos Hyde. Duke's been a top 30 scorer his last four games. He's coming off a season high of 12 touches. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got the secondary pieces to kind of match up with these wide receivers. I mean, he's been scoring points. Now, he scored some touchdowns, but they're using him more in terms of getting in the football. Uh, so, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to make this about Duke Johnson. Let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't want to have a Duke Johnson segment? That's disappointing. That's, I mean, you know, that's what we were going to talk about during the running back segment. He's, he's an ancillary jabroni. That's it. Ancillary jabroni. All right, let's talk Atlanta at Carolina. 49.5 point total. Carolina, 5.5 point favorites at home. And, Reeves, I'm going to start with you because does this line seem a little low to you? It does, but, you know, for, for I think a lot of us thought that, you know, going into three weeks ago that Dan Quinn was going to get fired going into the bye week. Yes. And he didn't. Instead, Dan Quinn, after eight weeks of egregious and embarrassing defensive play calling, uh, swallowed his pride, let Jeff Albrecht take over as the defensive coordinator. Up until that point, through eight weeks before their bye week, the Falcons allowed teams to score at the highest rate per drive, the most touchdowns per drive. They were 32nd in the league in defending third downs. Last week, they don't give any touchdowns to the Saints. They hold the Saints to three for 12 on third down. Uh, They allow only 310 total yards to the Saints, 52 rushing yards. And it was the ninth time in franchise history for the Falcons they recorded six-plus sacks. This is a team that had seven sacks before last week. Like, what? What is going on? Like, what happened last week? Is this real? Like, this is just a variance. Is it a one-off? Did the changes actually are they applicable going forward? Uh, what? How do we like this? threw such a wrench into everything. Like, if you thought you were going to string Kyle Allen, like I can't wait to string Kyle Allen if I've got you know whoever I'm by. Like this this thing last week. I don't know. Like maybe it was. Maybe it was just you know a hand grenade. You know the Saints ran into a hand grenade. They were terrible out of the bye. Whatever. But I mean, the fact that it exists and that we're even talking about it right now uh, is interesting. And it's an interesting, you know, component to this game uh, because they had just been completely horrible and steamrolled defensively. You know, the, the personnel didn't change. You know, so was the scheme change, the defensive play calling that much, or did the Saints just come out and lay an egg? We'll get a good, uh, you know, extension of that sample size now this week uh, because there are guys we're going to want to play. And obviously, everyone's going to play Christopher McCaffrey. We probably don't need to talk to him. But, uh, you know, Brian Hill is the guy everyone wants to talk about. It's kind of a fun dynamic because, you know, he's, he's taking over the backfield. They just have Kenyon Barner and Quadrail Olison behind him. Uh, and Carolina is a complete uh, 
uh, opposite. They, they, they get just pounded on the ground and are hard to pass on. They don't care about stopping the run necessarily. But the Falcons can't run the football, not even when they have game script in their favor. I mean, they're 23rd in percent of plays that go for 10 or more rushing yards, uh, whereas Carolina's last in the league. They allow 17.4% of the rushing attempts against the Falcons go for 10 or more yards. The rest of the league right outside of them is only 11%. So not even they're a little bit higher, like they're way higher. Um, they give up uh, the highest percent of yards gained against them are through are through rushing. You know, uh, just twenty percent of the yards gained by the Falcons have come via rushing. It's the lowest rate in the league. So I mean, he's so cheap, but there's a uh, maybe a little bit of a by proxy that maybe they can't run on anyone, no matter who's behind. You know, in the backfield. Um, but you know, touches are all we care about, and he's got the pass catching ability. So I mean, it's hard to ignore him at five nine and four eight on both sites. Uh, because Carolina has just been so bad. Uh, so, I mean, I think you have to swallow and play Brian Hill this week, at least from a catch stance. Yeah, and, you, you know, you look at, like, the spot, and I know that they can't run anybody. I fully understand that. But Carolina can't stop anybody on the ground. And that's what I keep going back to. You know, we have the whatever. We have a spot that Atlanta should be able to have success with. Dagle, do you think Brian Hill's going to have success? Yeah, I, th- I think Brian Hill is an amazing play. Both DFS season long, uh, he is as cheap as we are truly going to get for a bell cow across sites all year long. Um, if you're looking for the athletic profile on him, set school records at Wyoming and rushing yards and touchdowns, averaged over 5.5 yards per carry, uh, didn't fumble on over 350 touches at the collegiate level. And not only that, but Devontae Freeman and Austin Hooper's absences they vacate just so much opportunity between those two alone over 12 targets per game. And I don't think that trickles down to one player individual. I think it helps everyone involved. Last week I saw that Brian Hills had 38 snaps and I just thought, Oh, okay. Like Kadri Allison wasn't active or they didn't have their backups active, but both Kenyon Barner and Kadri Allison were active and Brian Hill still at snapped both 38 to 10 and got 20, 22 touches on those 38 snaps. So now just imagine him getting 45 to 55 snaps in what we think will be a competitive shootout. Um, It's just an immense amount of touches and volume that you can't pass on. It's sort of like Wayne Gallman's first week where we know the guy isn't good. Uh, Well, I I actually do think Brian, uh, Brian Hill may be good. Oh, I thought you were going to start saying Wayne Gallman is good. And I was like, what? No, no, no. Wayne Gallman, I still don't think is good, but either way, uh, it's just that situation, whether you think he's an athlete, whether you think he's good or not, it's kind of overthinking the situation. Uh, I think you just play him because he's locked in and to some of the best opportunity of any position this week. Yeah, and you know, I will say as far as looking at this from a shootout standpoint, I don't necessarily like the Falcons passing game all that much. I think Julio's just looking at projected ownership right now. We've got him at 20%. I'm not sure he's going to be that high. I don't even like him that much. And I do worry about a game script where both these teams are likely to be running a lot. You know, you have Chris McCaffrey on one side. Brian Hill's going to be running a lot on the other side. Do you worry about this game, you know, just seeing a lot of rushes and maybe the clock just ticking down a little bit too quick for a lot of people to get there from a fantasy standpoint, Reeves? It's possible. Like I said it just depends on what we – how real was that – defensive Falcons performance last week and how much was it just bad offense by the Saints I mean we will get an answer this week I still definitely believe that this game is worth you know uh, dabbling and stacking just based on you know what we saw from eight weeks except the personnel didn't change like how much can scheme really uh you know lift lift the tide that highly to turn a defense that was the bottom 
three defense in the league to one that looked like a top five defense. I don't really think that I'm going to, I'm going to stock that for complete ownership. Uh, so, I mean, if, if it ends up being to where the Falcons can't run, I mean, we know that they are, are totally fine just winging it all over the yard. Uh, they've done it kind of all year. Matt Ryan, I mean, not, it's kind of weird. Cause you know, I don't like, we talk about, you know, like batter versus pitcher and, you know, uh, you know, baseball, and, like how real is that? And like, these, we talk about splits sometimes versus opponents, but when you have, I like splits when it's, when the regimes don't change, when you have these, these teams that are divisional plays and the regimes have been steady and it's, they haven't really flip flopped. like coordinators aren't changing, head coaches aren't changing. And we have that in this matchup and Matt Ryan has owned the Panthers. Like, uh, you know, his past seven games, his lowest, the most amount of points he scored is 18.1. He's averaged 24 uh, fantasy points per game against the past six meetings against Carolina. Uh, he just has a track record where he's really damaged them. And like I said, when you have these regimes that don't change, and like the, the overall like player person also change a lot, I stock that a little more than just saying like, oh yeah, well this this guy was good against the Bucks eight years ago when you know, whatever, whoever was there, you know, these, these are two head coaches that have, that have been there the whole time that, you know, that, that over that sample teams have played like similar schemes and Matt Ryan has roasted them. Uh, the team's not as good this year, but they are, they're totally capable to throw football over all over anybody in a given week and stack production, even if it's gross. Uh, we've seen that a number of times this year and the Panthers are giving up big games to big wide receivers. Devontae Adams, 7 for 118. Mike Evans, 9 for 96. DJ Shark, 8 for 164 and 2. Um, they're, they're, they've played in some of these shootouts, man. Like They've given up some back-and-forth games. Even though they are really good on a per-play basis against the pass, They've given up, you know, a couple big, you know, passing games, you know, of late, you know, to guys like, you know, Ryan Tannehill and Gardner Minshew. Uh, so there is still upside here for this passing game, even though on a per play basis, Carolina is better against the pass than they are against the run. Yeah. And from an ownership standpoint, nobody's going to be on them because everybody's playing Brian Hill. It makes, it makes total sense. All right, let's talk about some quarterbacks. And, you know, we can always talk about the Lamar Jacksons, the Deshaun Walks in the world. Unfortunately for me, who is always on teams to play Mahomes, he's not on this slate. So I'm needing somebody else, Dale. I'm sitting here scrolling down the lobby saying, no, he seems like too much. No, he's too expensive. I say, ooh, maybe I can play Kyle Allen. Maybe I can play some Carson Wentz at home against the, uh, against the Patriots. I don't know, Dale. Who are you looking at a quarterback this week? I mean, I'm actually kind of shocked we didn't talk about him last game because I don't, I mean, this is the bad quarterback show. It would be a disservice not to talk about Kyle Allen. And yes, it does really depend on do we get the Falcons, the six sacks Falcons from last week, or do we get the Falcons that came into that game last in sacks, tied for last in interceptions, bottom three in pressure rate created. Uh, but the fact is, DJ Moore is far too cheap on FanDuel and is due for positive regression, 27% target share of the last month, and yet hasn't scored a touchdown. Um, and then you have the fact that the Panthers in general, their passing touchdown to rushing touchdown ratio, as JJ Zacharies and friend of the show has pointed out, is just far too wonky to not regress. It's, it's the craziest rate since 2011, I believe. So we would expect positive regression as well. So given all of that, and given the fact that I don't buy into the Falcons' defensive change, Kyle Allen, and we're talking about on DraftKings here, where they're pricing up their guys extremely high, like Kyle, Kyle Allen at 5,300, I think is a legitimate play if you're looking for a cheap quarterback. Yeah, I don't think he's the craziest thing out there ever. I think it's actually like a, a 
Maybe an elite play. I'm not yeah, even kidding. I, I bet we have a lot of Kyle Allen and cash takes. Yeah. I bet, I bet as this week goes on, there are going to be a lot of people talking about Kyle Allen and cash just because, again, you want to fit the Christian McCaffrey's and the Michael Thomas's into your lineup. Reeves, are you going Kyle Allen? Or are you going a guy like Carson Wentz? I keep wanting someone to talk about Carson Wentz for reasons I don't necessarily understand. Oh, God, I'm getting the no- the nosh head shake from Reeves talking about it. <laughs> I mean, Carson Wentz has been bad, man. Like, why? Like, he hasn't even this been good. This is a bad quarterback show. I know that is true. Um, but you know, this team's you know the Eagles have kind of just manifested in like a tw- uh, you know a twelve personnel team. They run a lot of two tight end sets now. They're turning into a power running team too of late, and that's where the Patriots have been most vulnerable. So I think that they'll actually continue to run two tight ends. I have Jordan Howard written down, buddy, for the next segment. Don't you worry. I mean, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to play Jordan Howard, but when when I do, when we talk about that archetype of play, like that's the price when I want to play those guys when they're 4700. Uh, that's when I want to play those guys because you don't get completely boned when they don't score a touchdown. Like he can have over 100 yards and just still kind of be okay instead of paying 7k from Marlon Mack and then getting, getting jammed. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't believe you look at it, and he's been under 200 yards. I think in five of his past six games, it's just. It's just tough, man. It's tough to really go down the Wentz trade. Uh, there are a lot of quarterbacks, so it's a great quarterback slate. I like, you know, the Kyle Allen take a lot. Uh, I mean, I would have no problem paying up for Dak Prescott if you want, if you guys wanted to play him. Uh, he has 18 or more fantasy points in eight of his nine games this year, 20 or more in seven. Uh, Detroit's 29th in passing points allowed per game. They just allowed 19.7 points to Mitchell Trubisky. So that's really all you need to know about that. You know, in the dome, indoors. I mean, it's really hard to get away from, like, Dak Prescott's another great play. That game has, uh, you know, some potential, too, to, to kind of be a little better than people think as well. Uh, you got Josh Allen against the Dolphins. He's had three career games against the Dolphins, had over 20 points in all three of those games. Um, how about going really terrible? You guys want to play a really bad quarterback? Oh, Kyle Allen wasn't really terrible. Okay. No, I, I think there might be somebody. Is, it, is he cheaper than Kyle Allen? He's cheaper than Kyle Allen. Is it Dwayne Haskins? Yeah, man, it's Dwayne Haskins. I wanted to play Trubisky last week, so this is and Daniel Jones this week. Uh, it's re- Daniel Jones for the same reasons of Dwayne Haskins. So Dwayne Haskins has only come in and started one game where he took starters reps, came in and started before the bye against the Bills, and he wasn't like the worst thing ever. He wasn't a good fantasy play by any means, but like he didn't like light everything on fire like I think a lot of people thought he was going to do. Now he gets a Jets team that is good, really good against the run and is just inviting teams to just throw all over them. So you've got – look at their last three games and the three quarterbacks they played. Gardner Minshew, 23.2 fantasy points. Brian Fitzpatrick, 23.7 fantasy points. Daniel Jones, 30.3 fantasy points. There is upside here. Now he's not a guy you're going to lean on. If you play him, you should expect to lose money. But you might win some too, based on you know. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, we'll talk about McLaurin too. I mean, McLaurin, I think, is a yeah. really great play this week as well. I mean, that's how bad this Jets passing defense is. Uh, we talked about it last week, wanting to play Golden Tate and Darius Slayton, and those guys ended up popping. You know, I'm sitting here looking at a lineup. You could absolutely play Haskins, McLaurin, Thomas, and McCaffrey together. You can do. It. I'm looking at the lineup right now. You can do it, and it's not even the worst lineup in history. It's close, but it's not quite the worst rest of the lineup in history. Yeah. Let's talk some running backs because one of the guys that I'm going to have trouble fading this week is Josh Jacobs. He's 6.9K over on DraftKings. Big home favorite against Cincinnati. We know that John Gruden loves to give him the ball. You know, give a bell cow running back the ball as often as possible. And Jacobs is just a guy like I know he's questionable right now. I think he's going to be fine. Like. Dagle, I feel like he's just the really easy play on this slate. 
Yeah, and I would worry if anything, I know we're probably talking about cash, but I would worry that his ownership gets incredulously high because I think everyone's just going to see it. I mean, we saw last week, the Bengals just, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Mark Ingram efficient on 15 carries, 115 yards. Uh, They just can't stop the run. And that's their big thing. They can't stop anything, but for the most part, they just can't stop the run. And now it's Josh Jacobs' turn for an Oakland offense that continues getting better and continues getting stronger, despite the fact that Darren Waller continues fading away each and every week. So, yeah, I mean, Josh Jacobs, I think, is the, the top play on the board that everyone will know about. Uh, We also talked about Jordan Howard a little bit earlier, recently smashed by Nick Chubb for 120 yards against the Patriots. And then last week, uh, or or and then Mark Ingram also, uh, before the Patriots went on by 115 yards. And then uh, J.D. McKissick, I think if Ty Johnson is out, uh, ran a route, 37 routes over Paul Perkins at six on 70% of Jeff Jerkle's dropbacks. So if you do have Dak Prescott, and I, I think Dak Prescott to Amari Cooper and or Gallup is an amazing stack. Uh, I love Dak this week. Then I don't think it's the worst idea to have Ty Johnson running it back with him for cheaper on DraftKings specifically. Yeah, you talk about J.D. McKissick. That's somebody that's just running so many routes, like you said. And Paul Perkins, he's not really stealing that much action from McKissick. I have no problem there. Reeves, what do you think about some running backs? Lots of good guys. I mean, listen, if everyone's going to play McCaffrey and then skip down to Jacobs, does that mean that no one wants to play Dalvin Cook? Are we in a week where no one wants to play Dalvin Cook? That's strategy right there. Probably. (laughs) I mean, kind of stuck in limbo there. I mean, he's second in the league in yards from scrimmage. Uh, He's facing a – he's a a huge home favorite against a backfield that is 29th in the NFL and how many running back touches they face per game. I mean, I, I was just thinking about that because you guys have mentioned the two guys. I mean, the thing with Jacobs, and it's such a good spot, obviously, you know, on paper because Cincinnati is minus 1.9 yards for rushing play than their opponent. That's dead last in the league. Oakland is uh, third in terms of rushing uh, yardage uh, gain per play than their opponents. So they, they're, they're kind of good, and that kind of cross-correlates there. The thing about Jacobs is he's one of these guys, man, 90% of his points are solely from rushing. Uh, it's the highest rate of all 24, the top 24 scores in the league. So, I mean, it's all rushing. You know, any any like touchdowns can be kind of fluky. If you don't get one, uh, he's not really a guy that's going to get you a lot of points, you know, uh, to circumvent, you know, uh, not getting in the end zone. Uh, he could have one of those games where he gets you 120 yards on the ground and gets you one catch for 12 yards. He's definitely in that type of mold. Um, down the line, I'm thinking that people probably might never want to play Leonard Fournette. I mean, they just keep talking to him every week. Touches, keep keep holding out for those touchdowns. The touches are there. Uh, and then if we're not going to get Matt Breida, I mean, it's going to be hard to ignore Tevin Coleman. Yeah. Uh, you know, in in that backfield, just, you know, I mean, they had uh, 128 yards from scrimmage against the, the Cardinals when these teams played two weeks ago. The Cardinals are a team that give up a lot of yards from scrimmage running backs, 144.3. That's 23rd in the league. Both Bucks guys kind of did well last week. Saw Ronald Jones in the passing game. Uh, even if you want to get cute, I don't even think that like if you want to throw a deep dart that Raheem Mostert wouldn't even be a terrible mm-hmm. light dart to play just because of how many touches they get. In the two games that Breida didn't play, Mostert had 16 and 12 touches. I don't know how much carryover that has with Coleman being the the alpha instead of you know it being Breida because you know they've kind of had kid gloves with Breida always. Uh, so I mean I don't know if you'll get that kind of touch juice, but I mean those are some guys you know kind of on the radar there. Yeah, I like the Coleman call. Dalvin Cook's interesting. Like, nobody's going to play him, like you said, on a slate where, you know, nobody's playing Zeke either. And this and, is about and without Zeke against the Lions. Yeah. Zeke, yeah, Zeke against the Lions. And then, obviously, without uh, without Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, that trickle down has gone to him in the passing game as well. 
God, there are a lot of good running backs on this slate. I'm going to have yeah. to – it's going to be gonna, tough to it down. You're going to have to use Kyle Allen. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I, what are you talking about? I've got Dwayne Haskins here. I'm good to go. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you yeah. save money. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins and our boy Scary Terry McLaurin. He's going to be up. He's the wide receiver. It's funny that you guys brought him up because he was actually who I was going to talk about, 5,600 over on DK. I love the price tag. I don't like that Haskins is throwing him the football since, you know, it's Dwayne Haskins and he sucks. But at the same time, like, I like McLaurin this week. Dago, what about you? Where are you going at wide receiver? Yeah, I'll let, uh, I'll let Reeves extrapolate on McLaurin a little bit because I, I like McLaurin as well. But uh, I think a popular pick is going to be Debo Samuel. Um, 70 snaps on Monday night. We saw him eight catches for over 100 yards. And without Sanders and Kittle, pending injury reports, but Sanders and Kittle in general vacate 32% of 49ers targets since Sanders joined the team. It's such a huge target share. We are, we are likely going to get Samuel in a great spot against the Cardinals um, as their only true receiver. As we saw, that offense will probably tank as a whole without Kittle and Sanders out there like they did on Monday night. But the opportunity and the matchup alone are a great spot. Um, D.D. Westbrook, if you have him on best ball or season long, the whole reason you chased him from the very beginning is because Nick Foles came into the year targeting his slot receiver at the second highest rate over the last two seasons. And then Andrew Luck retired. And so now Nick Foles is technically targeting his slot receiver at the highest rate among all quarterbacks over the last two seasons. And so no one's going to be on that play. And I think he sees over 10 targets. Uh, Tyler Boyd as well got eight targets from Ryan Finley. Oakland's corners and Oakland's secondary are still very bad, and they are likely going to be playing catch-up the entire time. And Alex Erickson pending availability, he's he may be out, vacates even more for Tyler Boyd. And um, Philip Dorsett, if you want to pivot off Muhammad Sanu, even though Muhammad Sanu is a great play. Philip Dorsett, I know Muhammad Sanu got the 14 targets the last time the Patriots, we saw them play. But um, this, this is, once again, a bad Eagles secondary. It's allowed a top five rate of fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers. And Philip Dorsett only played one fewer snap and ran one fewer route than Sanu in that game. The targets just went to Sanu. So both of those options, I think, are really good, too. To be fair, I think the targets should have gone to Sanu since he is the greatest receiver in the history of football. I don't know about that, buddy. <laughs> Reeves, who else you got a wide receiver that you're looking at? Yeah, Mohamed Sanu, forever in your heart. Uh, for good for good reason as well. <laughs> right. Uh, but uh, Makes sense. You know, yeah. Yeah, Ter- Terry McLaurin obviously is a guy that I'm drawn to this week. I mean, for similar reasons as Darius Slayton, you know, kind of you know, the vertical the vertical guy against the Jets. I mean, so the Jets over the past three weeks, they faced the Jaguars wide receivers. They gave up 13 catches for 202 yards and three touchdowns to those guys. Then they faced the Dolphins receivers. They gave up 15 catches for 181 yards and three touchdowns to those guys. Then the Giants wide receivers, they gave up 16 catches for 232 yards and four touchdowns. That's not exactly the strongest rogues gallery of wide receiver, you know, uh, wide receivers to face. Uh, so, I mean, you at least got some pulse here. You know, now you have to swallow the Dwayne Haskins element. If Dwayne Haskins is just completely not you know, the shower narrative is dead uh, if, if we get any of that bounce back. McLaurin's average just 5.6 yards per target from Haskins on just a skimpy seven targets. So still a relatively young, fresh sample size there. Uh, but he averaged 10.7 yards per target for Case Keenum. I really wish Case Keenum was playing. Yeah, we need, uh, we need Case Keenum, <laughs> and I've never said that until now. We need Case Keenum. I would be really, really happy if Case Keenum was starting this game. Yeah, I mean, He too. takes a step of faith. You can't – I mean, he still takes a step of faith. But, uh, uh, you know, here we are in week 11, and, you know, kind of like DJ Moore, uh, John Brown never – his price never changes. DJ Moore is kind of the same boat. Like, John Brown just, like – Ho Humley like puts these games up that where he's productive 
You know, he's had five or more catches in seven games, four or more catches in every game, over 50 yards, as you've heard of every game, just really strong floor. He had a wide receiver 11 finish uh, against the Dolphins in week seven. Uh, you know, he had 83 yards and a touchdown, just another good matchup this time in probably better weather. Uh, you know, in Miami. So uh, just keep going back to the John Brown. Well, I think I'm obligated to mention John Brown once a week on this show. John it's Brown. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say John Brown is so good and even as a floor, but just the fact that Josh Allen regressed even further on his deep passing, like 11 to 40 on passes, 20 plus yards downfield is, is that's the kicker. Like it sucks so much because John Brown is technically open all the time downfield. It's just so weird because we come into these years, you know, seeing, okay, John Brown was this big-time deep threat guy, and, you know, he's boomer bust every week. And this year, that just hasn't been the case, as Reeves was just saying, as consistent as it gets. We got to get out of here. We got to make way for Pro Football Focus Show. Dago, tell the people where they can find it. Rotoworld.com and Rotoworld Football Podcast. You can go subscribe on iTunes, and then we'll be back on NBC Sports, Twitch, and YouTube for the Rotoworld Fantasy Football Show at 12 p.m. Eastern, Sunday. Reeves, where can the people find you, my man? You know, sharp football analysis, definitely go there. Hit up this uh, end-of-the-season run as we make it there. If you, you know, come check out the worksheet and all the other stuff we have to offer. All right. Guys, it's been a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Go Terry McLaurin. Go Dwayne Haskins. Go uh, – Kyle know. Allen, don't you forget him. Yeah, that's right. We'll play – get the uh, Superflex uh, League, DFS League. We'll play Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen together and just uh, lose all of our money at that point. It's been a lot of fun, guys. Good luck in your contest. We'll catch you all later. Peace.